0: Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Genesis chapter 3. I have trouble sleeping at night sometimes. It's those nights when I feel like I might be deeply disturbed inside, and I feel like I'm keeping my mind occupied as a subconscious or even semi-conscious defense mechanism against a total breakdown or... Maybe constant suicide ideation as a result of my self-condemning thoughts. And that's what brings me to the table on this podcast. Those feelings are what makes me think on things like the futility of the human existence and what God is thinking or doing or being about the vapor span of our lives. I managed to do very little, practically next to nothing for a year during COVID before my vaccinations. And now that I have more work and responsibility... I'm knocking out jobs around the house and other random to-dos and projects and chores and organizing and heck even video game and playing fun with my wife that just didn't happen in the previous 12 months. Bottom line? I need control. I'm jumping to the bottom line because I know in my heart of hearts that my actions are often a direct result of trying to control things that I can never or will never be able to control. I might be able, if I was God, maybe. But that's just it. Why am I not laying down my burdens and my stubborn yet feeble attempts at controlling my life at the foot of the cross of Christ? Obviously, I default to worry and fear. Well, is it not obvious that when the math is checked, that it all adds up to a distrust with what we have in God and who He is? If we wholeheartedly trusted God and who He is, we do not worry not about tomorrow, not about yesterday, not even about today. No fretting, no debilitating stress, no fear. Does that sound ridiculous or idealistic or fake? Look, there is such a thing as healthy stress and healthy fear and sometimes even healthy anger. These are the emotions and behaviors that drive us to improve ourselves and our communities and our physical world. Come on, what if Malcolm X never got angry at anything? What if the systemic mistreatment of black and brown Americans never caused any stress or conflict to Martin Luther King or Rosa Parks what if we weren't afraid of being lost on foot in a bustling and unfamiliar city late in the evening and after making a wrong turn into nothing but a dead end alley all we hear is heavy footsteps picking up the pace behind us would that scare us do you see what I'm getting at Fight or flight is based in fear and self-preservation. The point I want you to hear is that in the present, yes, we will worry about whatever is in front of us, and we can deal with it then. The applicable cliche is that we can cross that bridge when we come to it. I don't want to be dissuaded. We cannot let ourselves get dissuaded from taking captive and laying siege to every thought that tempts us to accept any worry or fear over the past or future of our lives. If we fall into worry and fear, it is not the end game, so there's always hope. We just have to be honest enough to admit that when we fell short, this was the precise moment we engaged with the tempter by letting ourselves indulge in contemplation of the age-old question, did God really say? The exact challenge the serpent posed that broke Eve's resolve, and unquestioned trust in God. Temptation. As children of the almighty, temptation feels uncomfortable. I mean, it should, right? It gives quite a headache to contemplate which as I have mentioned before, is a battle already lost. James, the brother of Jesus said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Not talk to the devil and try to talk yourself out of whatever you are being tempted to do, feel or say. King David lost battles to contemplation with the evil one. Elijah even, Jonah, let's not forget, the prophet Jeremiah, the patriarch Moses, Don't get too high in your ego by engaging with temptations, evils, or even entertaining one errant thought. Are you greater than Moses? Or Aaron, Moses' personal helper, chosen Levite priest, and the man who infamously succumbed to fashioning and worshiping a calf made of gold? I gotta pray. Without prayer, we have no personal power. Jesus said we can do nothing without him. Nothing. Nothing nothing, nothing eternal, nothing like I would be in prison or homeless, maybe even dead by now if it weren't for his divine interventions, if you would maybe nothing valued to God or the angels or the citizens of heaven a rich executive in a fortune 500 company doesn't automatically earn points from God, right it's more than success, it's more than meets the eye, isn't it God doesn't look at what man looks at, outward appearance, he looks at man Or a woman's heart, our heart of hearts, I call it. Success in the world is only loss in heaven when compared to the hidden success, riches, and glory that far outweigh our momentary indulgences on earth. Store up treasures in heaven that no moth can destroy nor any man steal. Wash feet, give to charity anonymously, open up and be authentic. Give a glass of cold water to a thirsty child. Pray, be still and know that I am God, Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. I've had more than one candid and vulnerable heart-to-heart conversations in the last few weeks that have gotten me thinking about something I would bet many of us do to ourselves psychologically and emotionally. We are running and we are hiding, just like Adam, just like Eve. We stay busy. Some of us have little choice. A lot of us have limited time. As for me, even when I have time, I run, run, run to distractions. Distraction is an art and distraction is my greatest sin. It's a way of turning my back. It's how I look away from God. In the name of a self-preservation, I let myself get swayed away from an abiding and restful, peace-reaping, and joyful relationship with the Lord. It's a way of ignoring God's open and patiently waiting hand, and frankly, it hurts. I know I'm not alone in this pattern. Heck, it's a pattern that was first contrived by the first two humans on earth. We are simply following suit. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property, knowing that you yourselves had a better and permanent possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Hebrews 10:34 to 36. If you pay attention to Hebrews chapter 4, you will realize and see that when we approach God, we have not yet received mercy. God's invitation is to step up and receive the mercy he has promised in faith and we are offered also to find grace that is promised to help us so we approach his throne quite empty handed. But God desires we hold fast to a confidence that we will in fact be filled up and we will receive a reward, a rich reward for our trusting approach. I can hear some of you making the case in argument, but I do have grace in my life and I have received much mercy in my life. While this may be true, this does not negate his invitation to come spiritually naked before him and it does not mean that we are done doing the will of God. The scripture reads, you need to persevere. It says not to throw away your confidence, which means you indeed can lose the virtue Or better yet, lose sight of the virtue that pleases God by your own lack of faith, resistance, disobedience, or sin, or hiding, running, and distraction. I have often made myself conflicted and confused over God's will for my life simply because I don't want the assignment. So I try to talk around it and justify my resistance to His cause and succumb to the fog of confusion caused by simple disobedience. I have defied all kinds of promptings from God, major and minor. Either way, it becomes deviance. I also want to look at how the people in the Bible reacted off their own disobedience to God to gain some insight into why I ignore God. And maybe you as well will see that you ignore God and hopefully change your mind about some things. To change your mind is synonymous with the word repent in Greek, incidentally. I'm sure most of us have heard the sermon... Or the advice or the cliche that getting right with God is to repent from our disobedience to Him while deep inside we somehow feel there's got to be grace in the picture and maybe we don't like words like sin, punishment, repentance, disobedience, or separation and we feel those words are pregnant with stereotypical Christian judgments and typecasts. I won't disagree with that but I feel like we believers should all know by now the salvation business is all about God and all about what he has done, and all about what he is doing, all by his own hand, all for his own glory, which he magnanimously shares with us, little messy but intimately beloved human creation cooperators, ambassadors and foot soldiers in his grand design, his grand design for eternity and the coming new kingdom, the restoration of it all, all things new, he makes all things new. So, do we disobey God? Come on, we hide from him? So, yes, all the time. We just don't always realize it. Jesus talked about those who would be blind in the spirit, deaf in the spirit, those with ears, but they cannot hear. I turn, and I hide from God. I ignore him. Well, really what I do is refuse to talk to him. I refuse to talk to him when he needs me when he needs me to be his representative or his mouthpiece, or his example of agape or unconditional love, yet when I need him, I pray hard to him, the very same one that I turn away from so often. Genesis 3, 9 reads, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? In Isaiah chapter 62, the redeemed of the Lord are called sought out, a city not forsaken, And Jesus said he came to seek and save that which was lost. I could quote many other scriptures, Old Testament and New. God doesn't need us per se, but he wants us. And he needs people who have the tools and character makeup that are required for each individual assignment that he is concerned with. If you are ready, and if you are there, and if you are available, he will look for you, and he will call on you, and he will Tap you on the shoulder for assignments that are tailor made for your character why did God seek out Adam and Eve did he not already know where they were is feigning ignorance something God enjoys like when Jesus almost walked right past the disciples in the water in their sight of their fishing boat that was being hammered by the wind and waves is God playing games and pretending in these moments God is not malicious no of course not I don't have all the answers and correct insights, but I do know this. God is a seeker, and we are made in his image. God grants and seeks for opportunities. It's all about opportunities. Did you know that God wants to be God? Listen to Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. God declares, for my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. For I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory, I will not give to another. And listen to Jesus' prayer in John 17. Father, the hour has come. God will not give his glory away. I sometimes wonder how many televangelists love the applause of man, or evangelists, or pastors, ministers. Do they love being respected? Do they love the glory and the applauding? Do we all kind of like being celebrated? And isn't it the humble ones that denounce heroism and give Jesus Christ the shout out and credit for great deeds? Yes, they are so humble, and we admire that. We don't admire the big smiling pastor. Heck, we don't even trust him at times. So uh, what are we doing these days? What labor, what relationships are we engaging in and how? What else is keeping us busy, busy, busy and on the grind? What thoughts are occupying our minds? What do we think about all day? Do we think about our thinking? My preoccupations in the past, some of the worst ones or some of the bigger ones I would say are I would consider the more expensive ones Gambling, shopping Those things can fill the void But I have plenty more distractions And when I have time I sometimes sleep Like really sleep As in missing whole days on end One day, two days No food and disturbing dreams And I know I sound like a mess, and that might well be true, but my messiness is the thorn in my flesh, at least my own personal version of the thorn that torments me, my own personal messenger of Satan. And yet the bigger thorns are manifested by painful past memories. This was the the Apostle Paul's experience as he shared it in a letter to the church in Corinth. He wrote, I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that's from 2 Corinthians 6-10. to God said no to Paul's appeal. He said no three times. Okay, so where do you go in your spirit when you get a no from God? I personally have to trust that God just knows better than to let me in charge of my own supplications or desires even. I trust he knows all and I accept how little I know. Therefore I'll take his word that he knows more than me and that's okay with me because most of the time I don't trust myself either. And not trusting yourself is a hard way to be, my friends. And it can be a hard life. Look, we are witnessing today the repercussions of that original sin in Genesis chapter 3. Listen to Timothy write uh, a Paul's letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to knowledge of the truth. Just as James and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected, but they will not get very far because as in those case those men their folly will be clear to everyone so let me say this we are fallen we are hiding we cover up if not with literal garments then with garments of busyness and idols but ezekiel prophesied hope from the lord listen to god speak son of man prophesy to the mountains of israel and say mountains of israel hear the word of the lord this is what the sovereign lord says the enemy said to you aha the ancient heights have become our possession therefore prophesy and say this is what the sovereign lord says because they ravaged and crushed you from every side so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations and the object of people's malicious talk and slander therefore mountains of israel hear the word of the sovereign lord This is what the Sovereign Lord says to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and valleys, to the desolate ruins and the deserted towns that have been plundered and ridiculed by the rest of the nations around you. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. In my burning zeal I have spoken against the rest of the nations and against all Edom. For with glee and with malice in their hearts they made my land their own possession so that they might plunder its pasture land. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel, and say to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and valleys, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I speak in my jealous wrath, because you have suffered the scorn of the nations. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I swear with uplifted hand, that the nations around you will also suffer scorn. But you mountains of Israel will produce branches and fruit for my people Israel. They will soon come home. I am concerned for you and will look on you with favor. You will be plowed and sown, and I will cause many people to live on you. Yes, all of Israel. The towns will be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. I will increase the number of people and animals living on you, and they will be fruitful and become numerous. I will settle people on you as in the past and will make you prosper more than before. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I will cause people, my people Israel to live on you. They will possess you, and you will be their inheritance, you will never again deprive them of their children. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Because some say to you, you devour people and deprive your nations of its children, therefore you will no longer devour people or make your nation childless, declares the Sovereign Lord. No longer will I make you hear the taunts of the nations. No longer will you suffer the scorn of the people or cause your nation to fall, declares the Sovereign Lord. Again the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. Their conduct was like a woman's monthly uncleanness in my sight, so I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered through their countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions, and wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name, for it was said to them, These are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave his land. I had concern for my holy name, which the people of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. Therefore say to the Israelites, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes." For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws then you will live in the land i gave your ancestors you will be my people and i will be your god i will save you from all your uncleanness i will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you i will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of the famine Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the Sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. This is what the Sovereign Lord, God, says... On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, This land that was laid waste became like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Once again, I will yield to Israel's plea and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks for offerings at Jerusalem during her appointed festivals. So will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people. They will know that I am the Lord. And I know that was a lot of scripture, um, but that last paragraph that I read really just speaks to why it's okay that as humans we remember that we can forgive, but we just, we can't forgive and forget I'm not a believer in forgiving and forgiving and forgetting. I'm a believer in forgiving, but some things we just won't forget. You just can't forget. And right here, the Lord speaks to our hearts and he tells us to remember and to take shame for the opportunity is going to arise that will indeed glorify his name. And that's all that counts because that will bring us ultimate uh, a place to share in his glory in the end so uh, I'm going to wrap it up I'm going to read a little bit of Paul's final charge to Timothy I think it's applicable it says you however know all about my teaching, my way of life my purpose, faith, patience love, endurance persecutions, sufferings what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch Iconium and Lystra the persecutions I endured Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's a lot of work to do in a little bit of time brothers and sisters. We must immediately put him first. When we wake up. Meditate on him before any other thoughts or plans get in your head or are allowed in your head. Ask for forgiveness for your sinful inclinations, for our sinful inclinations. Turn and talk to him before popping that benzodiazepine anti-anxiety pill, not right after. Come as you are before him. Don't try to clean yourself up for him. It may feel like reverence to him, but in reality, it is deeply fake. It may work on Facebook to put only your good pictures in the post, but God knows the live feed and wants the authentic you, the messy you. Yes, how else can he be God for you if you are always good and polished and fine? Just think about that for a second. How can God... Be God, be Lord of your life and Lord in your life. High Counselor, High Priest, Your Shepherd. How can He be these things in our life if we always approach Him as if we are good and as if we are polished and if we are fine? Release your grip on whatever you're trying to hang on to that gives you that feeling of control. Give God a chance. Let God be God. You'll be in much bigger, better, stronger, more sovereign hands. And I pray that you are able to find the strength to release on this day. Don't forget to give God his opportunity to move in your life. And I just want to end by saying a short little prayer. Heavenly Father... Thank you for the opportunities which you provide us. I pray that you would open our eyes to see those hidden treasures that lie before us that only faith can, can unwrap and unfold for us to see and engage with. Help us to see those opportunities and to make ourselves available to join you in the works you're doing in this earth that are exposing your glory and your sovereignty. In your power and your control. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.